0: Yes, well, it's worth talking about cannabis. Uh, I certainly, I don't think I would be who I am if it weren't for cannabis. And it, it hasn't particularly affected my memory. I'm actually the most devote on a lifetime scale, the person most devoted to cannabis that I've ever known is myself. I mean, when I lived in Asia, I used to set my alarm for 2 a.m., to smoke because i couldn't go from midnight to five and uh... you know pe- people thought i was bananas uh, in terms of its deleterious effect i mean I, it, as i i think it's pretty on a scale of the other major drugs of commerce which would be alcohol tobacco and white sugar i think it comes off as in the best position um, I sort of think of it as uh, you know going back to this partnership model about mushrooms in Africa that when that all dried up and those people were moved into the Middle East and there had been previous waves of migration out of Africa that had established populations in Central Asia this is why you have like Peking man and Java man those are those are earlier Uh, remnants of earlier migrations cannabis uh, uh botanically originated north of the himalayas on the plains of central asia and i think it probably uh is the best substitute for mushrooms on the cultural level uh It's it's interesting, see, it was early on, it's one of the oldest domesticated plants. It was early on associated with cordage and fiber. And it's strange that all the words that associate to narrative are also words about weaving. I mean, you weave a story, you unravel a yarn... You uh, th- you know thread unthread a situation you untangle a situation it's the parallelism is very old in all European languages this association uh, between narrative and fiber which means hemp so I I sort of see it as um, the pilot light of Gaian consciousness that was kept going now what people always say to shoot this down is they say well but Islam tolerates cannabis and Islam is hardly the pilot light of Gaian consciousness mm, yeah I mean it, the it isn't actually that Islam tolerates cannabis it's that the Quran expressly forbids alcohol and then that leaves you to sort it out from there uh, I, I certainly think cannabis should be legalized and that if every serious alcoholic were encouraged to be a pothead uh, and uh, other drug abusers encouraged toward pot, the problem with pot from a societal point of view is that it, it, it is psychedelic enough that, like all psychedelics, it erodes loyalty to cultural values meaning this is the bullshit effect. You know, you just, people say, you know, why don't you get a job? Bullshit, why should I? (laughs) Uh, I don't see it implicated in violence. I mean, I think if anything, probably cannabis in, in ghettos is holding down violence as a drug, but probably promoting violence as an item Of commerce and that is because of chuckle-headed laws i mean i'm absolutely convinced that the way to solve the drug problem Mm -hmm. is to remove the profit motive that's so obvious that i just it's baffling to me and society is so schizophrenic on this topic i mean Mm -hmm. the most dangerous drugs are alcohol and tobacco both fully established in the uh, engines of commerce. Um, It's a bizarre situation and, you know, largely driven by the agenda of Christian fundamentalism in collusion with criminal syndicalists who see this as an opportunity for enormous profit and, uh, you know, cynicism all the way along. Yeah.
1: Yeah, but I I do find that... um I mean, I can't smoke a lot of pot because it just, uh, unfortunately, i can never become addicted to any drug as much as I try. My body just to doesn't tolerate it, but, and i tried them all more than once, but, um, but I do find with pot, I mean, I've had friends who became podcasts who, it wasn't that they betrayed commerce, they lost their ambition, and, you know, and I, I mean, you're very intelligent and, you, you know, you've got a vision and you're, you know, you're dedicated to your vision you can pursue it. You know, you're a little bit above most average people or
0: different than most average people. Manic is what you're trying to say, yes. I understand. <laughs> but, I, mean, this headline,
1: I would say, you know, really got lost because of their addiction to thought. And what? so I think that there's more an issue around, it's not about drugs as much as it's about addiction
0: and the issue of addiction. That's right. And how addiction is, you know, individuals
1: become addicted because they're avoiding psychological issues that they're, you know, struggling with that, uh, you know, rather than dealing with the issues, they,
0: you know, turn on the TV. Well, this relates to this larger model we talked about of time, of the war between habit and novelty. The thing that offends people about drugs, and if it doesn't offend you, there's, I think, something wrong with your value system, is to observe unconscious repetitious, self-destructive behavior. I mean, if that means betting on the ponies or chasing hookers or shooting junk or making bad investments or always blowing your stack with your friends, whatever it is, repetitious, self-destructive behavior triggers disgust in the in the rest of the gang. And uh, drugs... You know, for instance, heroin and tobacco are interesting examples because both, they are probably tied for their addictive ability. And yet, you know, to shoot heroin, I mean, people just turn away aghast. It's like you're the lowest of the low. Cigarette smoking until very recently was tolerated everywhere. Now, what is the difference here? The person smoking the cigarette, we know that tobacco is tremendously destructive uh... that's beyond argument uh... heroin on the other hand if you shoot with clean needles and have a steady supply in other words if you're not putting in social factors my god these junkies live forever you know they just pickle themselves and live forever (laughs) And they don't get sick. So, so then, but, so then why is it that society is so abhorrent of heroin addiction and so accepting of tobacco addiction? The answer is the presentation of the intoxication. When you shoot heroin, first of all, you become very agitated and follow people around raving at them. And then you, if you're an addict, and then, and then you nod. And so you drool and your face falls in your plate and your friends have to put you to bed. Uh, tobacco, on the other hand, you know, you can maintain. There is no dramatic, uh, sequela of symptoms. To betray that, you know, you're completely jacked up and twisted around and self-poisoned with this. But there you are at your desk working efficiently, making phone calls, making money, keeping it all together. So uh, it's the presentation. Then the other thing to say about drugs is that like everything else about us, but even more so, drugs are subject to the genetic her- your genetic heritage of drug receptors. And so uh, it's not the same for everybody or even close to the same. I mean, uh, the range of response to drugs can be over several orders of magnitude and can vary throughout your life. So, you know, the fact that I can smoke endless amounts of cannabis and still produce and function... It just means that I can. I see people, you know, alcoholics, who drink. I mean, if I have more than a drink and a half, I have headaches and I pay my dues. And, you know, to watch somebody go down on a fifth of Stolichnaya, you just realize, you know, this person is a Martian, metabolically (laughs) speaking. I mean, it would just kill me to do that. So uh, this has to do with tolerances and the way the organism can accommodate itself to toxins, but then below that at bedrock, it actually has to do with genetic uh, proclivities, yeah. Uh,
1: with regard to, back to cannabis as a um is there a difference in your experience in, in smoking versus ingesting it, uh, eating? Uh, eating?
0: well that yeah, that's a good point see ha- uh, hashish or the way cannabis entered the West was as hashish, which was eaten in the nineteenth century and if you read the accounts by nineteenth century savants who who ate large amounts of hashish. Uh, it will convince you, you know, that it was the LSD of the 1870s. I mean, these are m- mad intoxications that they are describing. It's not sitting around, you know, seeing the wallpaper move. And uh, uh, so they had more than well, they were eating it.
1: Why did cookies and brown LSD topless totally bread? Why did why did that lose fashion? Is there a danger in it?
0: No, I think when pot went from $15 a lid to 475 people stopped cooking with it. Uh, but let, let, me, let me say this about, uh, about eating hashish. If you're going to do this, I recommend that you eat a, red, a Lebanese hash, if you can, because you see, Lebanese hash is made in a way that people don't really touch it in the same way that charas is made in in India by people whose uh, hands may not be so clean. And, you know, you're going to take a hit, essentially, of the uh, ambient bacterial population of the village of Hamarubitsar. (laughs) And, you know, your guts will go completely berserk. This is one argument for baking it in a cookie, is Mm -hmm. to get the pathogens at least smacked down a bit. But if if you've never read Fitzhugh Ludlow's book, The Hashish, eat or confessions of a hashish eater it's hilarious i mean here it is it's 1852 and he's at union college in riverdale new york he's been invited to the dean's tea and uh and and he's just taken this massive hit of cannabis jelly before arriving at the tea and he says something like uh uh when the umbrellas protruding from the oriental umbrella stand turned into gargoyles, I knew that I must excuse myself, lest I run the risk of betraying my condition. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: Meaning, I'm too loaded, I've gotta get out of here. <laughs> Um, Let me say one more thing about this. There's a wonderful book called Shaman Woman Mainline Lady that is writings by women about drugs. And uh, if you want to read something that just will make you roll on the floor with laughter, it's Louisa May Alcott's account of a picnic. She and her friends went on with a doctor, somebody or other, and it's just the most insane thing. I mean, it's these incredibly pretentious Victorian femmes uh, with this doctor by this river in the English countryside, and and uh, it's Lil and Nell and Dolly, and Dolly says... Oh doctor, we're we're so exhausted with canasta. Surely you have some new little divertissement that you can share with us. And he says, "Well, Dolly." I do have uh, this uh, this uh, little case of uh, the best Moroccan hashish bonbons from Paris, and they say, oh, and then, it, and it's, it's madness, and, I mean, uh, it, it's just the most extraordinary thing, uh, yes. <laughs> does, cannabis, does cannabis work on the brain, or chemically? Does it stopped? It's not very well understood. Uh, there is a receptor, uh, but cannabis is not an alkaloid. Cannabis is technically a polyhydric alcohol, uh, which makes it u- a chemically unique type. It's also, bo- botanically, unique. Cannabis—it's what's called a monotypic genus. In other words. Uh, it, these three species, Ruteralis, Sativa, and Indica, which are all obviously speciated within historical time and can, by chromosomal studies, be shown to be all derivatives of Rusula, the Central Asian wild type, uh, it has no near relatives. Uh, and so it's, it's unique, and it's not well understood. As far as somebody asked about using it psychedelically, I think that the real, and I can't say I do this because I need it for other reasons, but in terms of the pure psychedelic issue, the way to do cannabis is once a week in silent darkness, alone, with the best stuff you can get, and then just, you know, do as much of it as you can possibly do in a short a time and sit with it you will every single time be absolutely torn to pieces by it, you know. I mean, it, it's just astonishing. The problem is that people get into it, myself included, for other reasons than that hallucinogenic uh, uh, flash. But that would really be the ideal way. And also, it would prove you were a person of great rectitude and self-control <laughs> if you could do that, yeah.